All right, if you've got your Bibles, please go to John 16. John 16, verses 16 through 22. Um, so this is going to be, hey, Eric, can I get you to come grab this microphone? Because I'm going to need the, the microphone stand for just a minute. Um, I'm not going to use it like a baseball bat. Don't worry. Um, I just need my hands free. So we're going we're gonna to see how this works here. Catch. Tell me if you know what this is. Okay. What was that? We will, right? Every one of you knows that. Every one of you knows that, either because you were in your younger years when Queen debuted that song in the 70s or because you've been to any American sporting event in the last 20 years. We, it's like boom, boom, clap, boom, boom, clap. You know the rhythm, you know the sound, you know exactly what that sound is referring to. You know the beat. Um, when I was preparing uh, this, this message this week, I was in the kitchen. I was. I had my uh, my Bible open, my my laptop open. I was right working on writing uh, the sermon and uh, thinking about this message and and the rhythm of redemption. And I started pounding that out on the table. Boom, boom, clap. Boom, boom, clap. And Laura goes, "Why are you pounding on the table?" And I said, "What does it make you think of?" She goes, "Why are you pounding out? We will rock you." On the table, I said, aha, this is the perfect illustration because you knew exactly what I was doing. Because the rhythm, the beat is something that all of us have heard. And as soon as it starts, we know exactly what's happening. A rhythm is defined, according to the dictionary on my laptop, as a strong, regular, repeated sound of, of repeated pattern of movement or sound. A strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. God has put rhythms into his creation. God has put rhythms into our world. He's got the rhythm of the seas, the rhythm of the seasons, the rhythm of life. There, there's these, these things both um, that, that are actual sounds and things that are just patterns of life and, and movement that God has put into our world. The rhythm of music. There's a reason that, that our our you know, we kind of start tapping our foot when we hear a good beat. It's because God has kind of wired us to be attentive to rhythms. He put rhythm into the world he created, and he also put rhythms and, and, and one specific rhythm into his work of redemption. And that's what Jesus is going to be talking about in John 16, 16 through twenty. Two. He's going to be talking about God's regular, repeated pattern. God's regular, repeated pattern. This is the way God normally does things. This is the rhythm. This is the pattern. This is the cadence of the kingdom, the rhythm of redemption. This is the pattern that the life of Jesus followed. This is the pattern that his disciples on earth followed. This is the pattern his church for 2,000 years has followed. And this is the pattern we will follow 
Our lives will follow the rhythm of redemption. So let's just look there at John 16, verse 16 uh, through 22. Uh, it's, uh, it's there on the screen, or if you want to open or tap in your Bible or your app to John 16. I'm using the CSB Christian Standard Bible. A little while, Jesus says, and you will no longer see me. Again, a little while, and you will see me. Then some of his disciples said to one another, what is this he's telling us? A little while, and you will not see me again. And a little while, and you will see me. And again, because I am going to the Father. They said, what is this he's saying? A little while. We don't know what he's talking about. Jesus knew they wanted to ask him, and so he said to them, are you asking one another about what I said a little while, and you will, not, you will not see me again a little while, and you will see me? Truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. So now you also have sorrow, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice and no one will take away your joy from you. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus name, by your spirit, I pray that you would help us to catch the rhythm of redemption, that you would help us to hear the, the beat, that you would help us to see the pattern, that you would help us to sense the movement of your spirit, that we would have attentive ears, that we would have open hearts, that you would open up your word to us and open us up to your word. If there's anything I've prepared to say, Lord, that I don't need to say, um, I pray you would edit me out. If there's anything I need to say that's not prepared, that you would add it in by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, we sometimes don't get it. Sometimes we, we don't get it. Look at verse 16 through 18 again. In a little while, you will no longer see me. Again, in a little while, you will see me. Jesus tells them this. Then the disciples are like talking to each other. What's this he's saying? A little while, You'll see me again. A little while, you won't see me. I'm going to the Father. What in the world is Jesus talking about? They're talking to each other. Jesus is talking. To, he's, he's tapping out the rhythm of the redemption of, of the kingdom. He's tapping out the, the pattern. He's, he's showing them the way that he works and the way the Father's world works. But they are a lot like us. They clap on one and three. You know, a regular sort of rock beat where you got drums and a guitar, keyboard, bass, you, the, the, it's usually a 4-4 four, four beat. It's one, two, three, four. And I might have even done that wrong because I don't have a lot of rhythm. And you're supposed to clap on the, the downbeats, right? Am I right with that, Eric? No? Two and four. No, no, you're supposed to clap on two and four. Yeah, but those are the downbeats, right? The downbeats are one and three, and the upbeats are two and four. See? should have done a little more research before I wrote this illustration. I wasn't planning. I was just going to say the line and then keep going. And I thought, oh, we should really flesh this out a little bit. And then I thought, oh, You're supposed to clap on the upbeats, two and four, instead of one and three. Now you, can, now you know why I don't try to lead the clapping during music, because Laura always looks at me. She's like, you're clapping on the wrong beat. Sorry. Clapping on one and three. 
when you should be clapping on two and four. You got to get with the rhythm. And the, the disciples, they, they missed the rhythm. They don't understand what Jesus is saying. He's, he's tapping out the beat. He's like, okay, it's very simple. Boom, boom, clap. Boom, boom, clap. And they're like, clap. Oh, I missed it again. And we, we are just like them. Notice what it says. It says, they began saying or said to one another. They can't figure it out by just talking amongst themselves. They can't go out for dinner and just kind of hash it out over, over some, you know, cheese sticks and, and red wine. They can't, they can't go to coffee and just kind of figure out what's going on. They, they can't just get together and talk amongst themselves. All they're doing is pooling their ignorance. All they're doing is taking what they don't know and adding it to what the other person doesn't know and putting it together so you have double don't know. It's not enough to have each other. You have to have each other with Christ in the center. True community. We believe that community matters. It's one of our core values. We need each other. But we need each other centered on Christ and centered in the Word of God and in Scripture. We need Christ to explain things to us. Too often, I think we try to we try to hash things out on our own. We try to just like do our own research. Um, we 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 go and we listen to you know X Y Z news and we think okay. Or I don't know if you've seen that that Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, about social media and the way it's kind of shaped and the algorithms and it's like. There's this whole thing about social media, and I think a little, it's a little bit exaggerated just personally. But the takeaway at the end I thought was really intriguing. They said, don't watch the next suggested video. Because there's an algorithm, and it's shaping how we think. And it's like, oh, if you like this, then you'll like this. And then you like that, and then, oh, you'll like this. And if you like that, you'll like this. And if you like this, then you'll like this. And this thing, then you'll like this. And the next thing you know, you're watching a video about how unicorns are colonizing Mars, and it sounds really, really plausible to you. Don't pool ignorance. Go to the source. Go to Christ. Go to the Scripture. We need to listen to Him and let Him tap out the rhythm, and we Though we'll fail sometimes, and we'll clap on one and three, we'll eventually catch the beat. That's the second thing we see, and this is where we're going to spend most of our time. The rhythm of redemption. The rhythm of redemption. There in verses 19 through 22. Jesus knew they wanted to ask him, and so he said to them, Are you asking one another about what I said? In a little while you will see me. Again, in a little while. Now, we can take a minute and just talk about this word, little. Um... The disciples have said the word little. They, they've, it's just repeated over and over. And it's like John, when he wrote down this account, he's saying verbatim what they're... He doesn't just say they said it over and over. He says, in a little while, you'll see me again. In a little while, you, you'll see me. Well, you won't see me. You will see me. Little, 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 little. It's like six times, seven times in four verses, this little word little is used. And the Greek word here is the Greek word micron. 
That's probably a word you've heard before. I have some pens. They're made by a company called Micron, or, or at least that's the, the style of pen because they're so small and the ink, the little felt tip is like 0.05 because it's made so you can write in the margins of your Bible, that sort of thing. A Micron, you think of a Micron, you think of something really, really small. This is what Jesus is saying. He said, in a little while. It's just going to be a minute. It's going to be a small amount of time. It won't seem like it in the midst of it, but when you look back, you'll think, wow, that really flew by. It's like the guy who said he was told he had a minute to live, and he decided to spend it planking because he said that's the only way he knew to make one minute feel like forever. Second Corinthians 4 says that this momentary light affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. When I was in my early 20s, I was very sad and very lonely. And I would just ask God, why am I alone? I'm 22 and I'm alone. And then I was 23, I'm alone. I'm just, my best years are behind me. 24, I'm alone. It felt like forever. And then when I was 25, I met this cute girl at a coffee shop, and we started dating. Then it was like, why is it taking so long till we can get married? It was like six months, we were dating six months engaged. It wasn't that long, but it felt like forever in the midst of it. And then, and then we got married, and it's like, why, Lord, are you taking so long I just want to be a pastor. I want to preach the word. Why is it taking so long? We got married in June, actually June 30th, 2007, 14th anniversary this week. Um, and I was in the ministry and, uh, and, and as the lead pastor in a church by March of 2009. Like six, it's like 18 months. It wasn't that long. In the midst of it, it felt like I'm going to be schlepping lattes at this Starbucks forever. Like I will never, ever get to do what I've been called to do. It felt like forever. Then God opened this door of ministry. Then we're like, Lord, how long before you'll bless us with kids? How long? We got to that church in March of 09, and I've shared this before. Uh, went through a couple of miscarriages, super difficult, super painful. One was in June of 09. One was in September of 09. It was like, Lord, how long? Then in January of 2010, we found out Laura was pregnant again, and that was our daughter, Addie, who's now, we blinked, and she's 11 in September. In the midst of it, it feels like forever, but you look back, and it truly was momentary and light affliction. In a little while, you won't see me again, and then in a little while, you will. We're going to look back in the scope of eternity, and the, the things of this world are going to seem like just a snap, just a whisper, just a, just a, just a breeze in the, in, in the air. This moment, we'll look back when we've been there 10,000 years, and we'll say, wow, those 80 years God gave me on earth, or 62, or 89, or 40 and a half, man, I hope that's not me, because that I'm like, that's like, actually, I would never have had to die two weeks ago. But anyway, and we're going to say, man, that went fast. Did we use it for what God intended? 
Next thing we see in verses 20 and 21 um, is the rhythm of redemption is a rhythm of reversal. It's a rhythm of reversal. Truly I tell you, he says, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. Jesus contrasts here the sorrow of his students. That's what a disciple was. It wasn't some sort of highfalutin like spiritual term. It just meant someone who was a student. It was a learner. His students' sorrow to the joy of the world. The things that make the world laugh should often make the Christian cry. The things that make the world sing should make the Christian sad. The world says, go ahead, just live your best life now. The gospel says, no, 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 you live your best life later. Jesus says, notice he says, you will become sorrowful. You will become sorrowful. That's a passive verb. Now, if you're not a gr grammatical nerd, then you know, congrats to you. You probably are much more socially adept than I am. But what that means is that the subject is being acted upon, not doing the action. You will be sorrowed or be grieved, meaning it's something that's done to you. It's something that happens to you. Sorrow is sparked by what others do. The disciples were grieved when Stephen, the deacon, turned preacher, was stoned to death for his testimony. The disciples were grieved when legalistic false teachers infiltrated the fellowship and began to lie to them about the freedom of the gospel. The disciples were grieved, things that happened to them. We're not often in control of the things that make us grieve in this world. But the rhythm of redemption is a rhythm of reversal. He says, you will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. God will make the future better, not in spite of your present suffering, but because of it. He will take your suffering, the things that are, the, the, the longing and the waiting and the crying and the pain, and he will use that and he will take it and he will use it as the building blocks of your future glory. He won't do it in spite of it, but he's going to say, this mountain of suffering that you have suffered in this world, that is a mountain of glory for you in the next. Now, I was at a black church this morning, and they would have been saying amen at that part. I'm just telling you. So, Here we find the rhythm of redemption. We find the cadence of the kingdom. No, no, he describes it with this analogy of the woman in labor. She's in pain because her time has come. But when she's given birth, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a child's been born into the world. Now, you have to understand, in the ancient world, having a kid was super treacherous. Like, one thing goes wrong, it's like game over. There's no emergency C-section. There's no, like, we can try to work around this. This is like life and death every time a woman goes into labor. A woman was taking her life, 
to the brink of death every time she had a child. And there was no guarantee that, that the mom would live, and there was no guarantee that the baby would live. All of our modern, praise God for our modern medical advancements, and there was no anesthesia. There was just danger and pain. And I know the pain firsthand, secondhand, because our first two kids, Laura got an epidural, and the second epidural got messed up, and it was kind of a problem. And so she said, on third one with Livy, nothing. I thought, babe, you have a low pain tolerance. I don't know if that's a good idea. I'm going to do it. If there's anything you know about my wife, it's when she puts her mind to something, then that thing is going to happen. And she was just like a rock star. But I tell you, I would not trade places with her for anything. And some of you men, you've been in the room, and you've seen it happen. So you know, and ladies, you've been through it, so you really know what he's talking about. The pain, the, the fear, the pressure is so immense that it feels like the world's coming to an end, but then the baby arrives. And you don't remember the rest. You don't remember the pain. And those endorphins start flowing, and they put the, that baby close to you, and you, you smell their, their, their newborn hair. And The rhythm of redemption is a rhythm of reversal. There's sorrow and then singing. There's pain and then pleasure. There is faith and then sight. There is death and then resurrection. There is planting and then growing. There is the cross and then there's the crown. This is the rhythm of, the, of redemption. This is the rhythm of the gospel. This is the cadence of the kingdom. This is the way God will work in your life. If you are suffering, if things are hard, if you're discouraged, you are in the midst of the normal pattern of Christian living. This is the way God works in his world and in his people. Last thing I want you to see here is in verse 22. Jesus promises to see us. So you also will have sorrow now. That's a promise. Promises of God. Yes, you will have sorrow now. So if you've suffered, if you're in pain, if things are hard, it's just God keeping his promise. But notice he says, not you will see me again. He says, I will see you again. I will see you again. While the world dances in delight, we lament in longing. And he promises here not unshakable joy, but untakeable joy. Life's hard sometimes. Sometimes we doubt. Sometimes things are hard. But he promises that he will see us again. And I can tell you that my sight gets blurry. I got a couple floaters, had to go to the Rand Eye Institute, get everything checked out, partially colorblind. My sight stinks, but you know what? My hope is not in the fact that I will see Jesus, but that he will see me. So, what now? What now? Number one, turn off YouTube. Don't watch the next suggested video. And this is, turn off the TV, turn off Facebook, turn off Twitter, turn off Instagram, turn off TikTok, turn off whatever it is that's captivating your attention and turn on the Bible. 
So that might be like, like metaphorically, like, but or it might be like literally, like you get your phone out and turn on the Bible. Like, I remember when I got the old school iPhone with the click wheel. Remember that? And I remember that I could download the Bible to the screen. I thought this was such cutting edge technology. This is 2004. Now I have every version ever translated in English at the tap of a button. I prefer paper copy. That's how I do my quiet time. But I've done it in the past on my, on my device. It's the same Bible. There's nothing in the paper and ink that's sanctified more than pixels and screens. It's the word that's what is holy. So turn on your Bible. Turn off the tube. Turn off social media. Turn off these things that are speaking into your heart and into your mind. It's so easy to get sucked in. Laura and I, oh my goodness, gracious. Like, we get our kids to bed at like 8, sometimes now, usually 7.30 or 8 of the school year. Now it's like we're getting lazy, so it's like 8.30 or 9. And then we just are just exhausted. We just turn on, you know, we just want to rest and just like recharge. I usually fall asleep halfway through the first episode or whatever it is we're watching. It's just so easy to just veg out. And there's nothing sinful or wrong about that. There's, sometimes that's okay, but what are you feeding your mind with? Turn it off. Number two, keep planting. Keep planting. And I want to address this at a couple of levels. Individually, keep sowing and planting to the Spirit in your own life. Don't give up your quiet time. Don't give up your personal seeking of God. If, if you miss a day or three days or a week, don't think, well, that's it. I'm done. No, pick it up. So your one-year Bible plan takes you 27 months. God's not keeping score. Get yourself into the Word. Get yourself sowing to the Spirit. Because if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap life. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap destruction. I also want to talk about this from the perspective of our church, because we are a church plant. There's a reason they call it church planting, not, <laughs> not church existing. Because you got it. what do you do with a plant? You, you put the seed in the dirt, and then you put water on it. Then you put it in the sunshine, put water on it, put mesh wire around it because iguanas eat everything. You put water on it, you put it in the sunshine, you move it. It takes forever. I don't know if you've ever grown anything. I never have because I have no patience. The only thing I have the patience to try to plant is this church. I want to encourage you to not get tired, as Galatians 6, 9 says, of doing good because we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Amen. Keep planting. Keep planting in your own life, but keep planting here. So, so we got knocked on our heels like all of us did, individually, families, society-wide. Our church was a year and a half old, and then we blinked, and it's almost three years old, and we're like, the kind of the same place where we started. Like half the people left, new half the people came, then people left, then people come, then people leave, people come. I'm just, I just want to encourage you, do not lose heart. Do not get discouraged. God will cause the increase. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says that, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Keep planting, keep watering. Finally, number three, catch the rhythm of the cross. Catch the rhythm of the cross. Clap. See, we're so much better if I have both hands available. <laughs> boom, boom, clap. Boom, boom, clap.
The rhythm of redemption is the rhythm of the cross. There is no Christian who can follow Jesus and not have their life be shaped like Jesus. And Jesus' life was shaped like one arm stretched out and then the other as they pinned him to those rough beams so that he could die for our sin. And he's told us, you have to take up your cross and follow me. I just want you to think about the radical nature of the cross. If you've ever been to Disney, um, you've been to the Haunted Mansion. You go in, and what, what do they have everywhere as a symbol of death? Tombstones. Tombstones. I want you to imagine a group of people, and they start a new church called Tombstone United Church. And they have necklaces with little tombstones on them, with little skull and crossbones. Some of them, they're like the edgy ones. You pull up their sleeve. They have a tombstone, like, tattooed on their, on their forearm. Some of them have little tombstone stickers on their car. It's a symbol, a universal symbol of death that nobody celebrates unless they're weird. That's what we're doing with the cross. We have taken... And the gospel has taken a universal symbol of excruciating defeat and death and turned it into the world's most famous symbol of victory and hope. One, one writer says, In the Greco-Roman and Jewish world, the cross was a universally recognized symbol of death. It was a place for weeping and mourning. Yet all of that changed when the Father sent his Son to the cross for the purpose of taking upon himself our death. The day Christ died is no longer bad Friday, but good Friday. Just as the cross for the Christian is no longer a symbol of death, but a symbol of eternal hope and life. You catch the rhythm of the cross. Boom, boom, clap. Boom, boom, clap. Death, burial, resurrection. Death, burial, resurrection. Death, burial, resurrection. Plant, water, grow. Plant, water, grow. Pain, sorrow, joy. Pain, sorrow, joy. This rhythm is more caught than taught. You just got to get it into your heart and in your mind so much that you can't get away from it. Nobody taught you we will rock you. Nobody, I mean, maybe. Like, I don't know if you went to, like, Learning Queens, We Will Rock You for Dummies, like, online webinar, $199. If you did, you should get your money back and donate that to the church, all right? Because that was a waste of money. Because you don't need anyone to teach you We Will Rock You. You catch the rhythm. You go to the game, and it's like, boom, boom, clap. Boom, boom, clap. Body or boy, make a... Right? It's just like, it's just there. That's the way you catch the rhythm of the cross. You have to immerse yourself in the places where God is tapping out the rhythm. Where does he tap out the rhythm? He taps out the rhythm in his word. He taps out the rhythm in the local church. He taps out the rhythm as we trust him in our trials and our sorrows. Boom, boom, clap. Death, burial, resurrection. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name and by your spirit, I just ask that you... Um, would help us to catch this rhythm. And so, some of us may be in a season of 
of sorrow. Some of us uh, maybe in a season of, of joy. Maybe we're in, a, in the, the, the movement of the story of burial where it feels like it's just still. Maybe we're in the movement of death where it's excruciating. Maybe we're in the movement of life where you're bringing new things and doing new things. Wherever we are in the rhythm of redemption, in the cadence of the kingdom, I pray that you would help us to trust you and to follow Jesus as we pick up our cross. In his name we pray. Amen.